the property pod. 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 pod welcome to the property pod with moneyweb the property sector is an ever-changing sector and in this podcast series your host suren naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry hi there this is the property pod with moneyweb with may being africa month my guest on this latest podcast is kevin teravengadam who is Mauritian-based but has extensive experience in the property sector, not just on the island but across several countries in Africa. Kevin currently heads up his own consultancy, KT Africa, but is also the co-founder of PropTech Africa, a non-profit association that connects the PropTech ecosystem across the continent. Besides being on several boards of real estate and hospitality companies, he is the former head of At Africa or Atabe Africa and has also been involved in the financial services and telecom sector. Kevin has spoken at several African property and hospitality industry events and has written on real estate and tourism for a number of publications. In fact, he wrote a very interesting feature for South African-based Asset Magazine last year on the dollarization of African real estate assets. We are chatting to him on this topic today, as well as other issues and opportunities around investing in the African property sector. Welcome to the Property Pod, Kevin. Thank you very much and look forward to our conversation. Kevin, your write-ups around dollarization of African real estate in Asset Magazine reportedly garnered quite a lot of interest you described it quite provocatively as the elephant in the room for investors. I gather this is not a reference necessarily to South African real estate, but the rest of Africa. What's the issue here and what are your thoughts around this? Uh, absolutely. I think it's a very important uh, theme, basically. And, and I think to understand that one needs to go way back, uh, probably 20 years ago, um, you know, uh, when I started my career, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, when deals were being done on the African continent, excluding South Africa, it was really difficult to raise money. Uh, I'm talking about pre-2010, basically. Um, so you had very little money from overseas coming into real estate in multiple markets in Africa. So money was extremely expensive. And whenever you had recourse to money, you had to borrow in dollars or you had to raise equity in dollars, the United States dollars. I mean, that's been the primary currency that investors have been using um, in pouring money into these real estate assets on the continent. But way back, uh, the money was so expensive that when you were doing a project, for example, whether it was a an office building or a hotel, the payback usually was around five years or even seven years. You know, when you compare that with sophisticated markets like South Africa or Europe, where the paybacks are 15 or 20 years or even longer, that's the reason why uh, investors started using the dollar because that was the only thing that was available then, even though it was expensive. And then over the years, over the last 15 years or 20 years, uh, investors have been continuing using the dollar as the reference Having said that, I brought this up six years ago in 2016, saying, you know, it's not sustainable for the continent. And we've also seen the same trends in Southeast Asia pre-1990s, where pretty much assets were dollarized. And then with the financial crisis or the Asian crisis 1997, 
you know, we've seen the transition from dollarization of assets in Asia to local using local currency. So we haven't reached there in Africa, but I do believe going forward, we need to put our heads together to ensure that we can use our local currencies to basically invest in real estate as opposed to relying 100% on dollar. It's an interesting conundrum almost there because you still find dollar being punted. You know, there are issues in Zimbabwe, for example, where they largely use the dollar. But in other parts of the continent, what is the solution, though? Is it you talk local currencies and, you know, having a euro of Africa is a long way off if it will even happen. But, you know, there's so many countries in Africa. Do they use their own currencies? It depends on different countries, for example. Obviously, I mean, you take the example of Zimbabwe, you know, uh, the more unsophisticated it is as a market, you know, what happens is people have recourse to dollar because you cannot rely on the local currency, especially where inflation, where you've got super inflation in those markets. But then if you look at other markets, I'm going to give you my hometown, for example, Mauritius, you know, uh, it's more sophisticated. You can raise local money. There is a quite a vibrant domestic capital markets there, etc. So most of the transactions are done in local currency, which is the local rupee. So that's Mauritius. Now, if I move back to the mainland Africa, if we take an example like Kenya, Kenya is sort of interesting because it's not as sophisticated as South Africa. It's not as sophisticated as Mauritius, but it's getting there. So what we're seeing is over the last 10 years in Kenya, we're seeing deals moving away from dollar to Kenyan shillings. It's not 100% as we speak today in, uh, in Kenyan shillings, but we are seeing more deals going forward being done in the local currency. And local investors obviously understand that because they earn local shillings. They don't have a problem in dealing with uh, uh, local currency. But we're also seeing a new trend now where global investors are also taking a view um, on local uh, Kenyan shilling. You know? so, so that's very Kenya-specific. And then if you go to West Africa, Francophone Africa, for example, we all know the local currency, which is the franc CFA, is fixed to the euro. You know, that's been there for the last 20 years. So when you do deals in Cote d'Ivoire or in Senegal or in Cameroon, basically um, investors, be it global investors or local investors, are using the local currency. So the only places where we see investors using the dollar are markets like Ghana, Nigeria, Zambia, um, you know, the likes of Zimbabwe totally, you know, and then the likes of Mozambique and Angola. But I think going forward, you know, we're going to see a transition to local currency. And I believe it's going to happen. I think also in Ghana, it has started. Uh, We're not there yet, but we see the trend, basically. I believe the next 10 years, we're going to see more countries basically pushing for local currency usage. We'll come back to the topic with specific property companies, but let's move a little bit to the opportunities where African real estate is at the moment. I know it might be quite a broad uh, topic, but Africa has been talked up for several years as having tremendous potential for property development and investment considering the low base. But many investors have been burned. Give us some insight on the real estate investment landscape over the last five to 10 years. And the reason I ask for such a long time frame is because you've been around considering your, your history uh, with at Africa, for example. Sure. I think that that's why I said, you know, if you go back, I started when I started my career 20 years ago, 
from 2000 to 2005, it was really hard to raise money to do real estate development. It was pretty pretty much impossible. You know, it would take you probably two years to raise $10 million for for real estate asset. Then after um, the financial crisis that happened in 2007 and 2008, remember yields crashed in the US, in the UK, in Europe, in developed worlds. So money had to come back to Africa chasing for yields. That's when we started seeing uh, global investors beat whether the likes of CDCs, the light of, likes of Actes, the likes of uh, DFIs coming to Africa looking for yields. You know, and the theme was Africa was the last frontier. Was basically the theme was also about the rising middle class. And on the back of these themes, we started seeing money coming onto the continent. And that's where we've seen the developments of A-grade shopping malls. You know, the first malls in Lagos. First malls in Accra, in, in Nairobi, in Lusaka. And that's also when we started seeing money get, getting into the development of A-grade uh, office developments, you know, commercial assets, for example. You know, the likes that you would find in, in Santon in South Africa, for example, are the ones that we've started seeing as well 10 years ago in multiple cities in Africa. But what happened is, and, it, and that happens not only in Africa, it happens around the world, you know. So, so when somebody invests, start to invest and start to make good returns, you start seeing other investors as well coming in. And I think from 2012, post-World Cup in South Africa, from 2012 onwards, we've seen a lot of money from South Africa and from overseas coming into Africa. But I guess what happens is when you've got too much money coming in at the same time, you know, it's the basic principles of inflation, too much money chasing too few goods. We've seen a rise in Land prices, land prices in, in Lagos or, or Accra have gone fivefold or even tenfold over the space of a couple of years. Then we've seen the rises of construction prices. And unfortunately, when we got to around 2015-16, when these projects became live, unfortunately, we didn't see the actual rise of rental levels to what were expected. And that's where we started having a downfall from 2015-16 onwards because rental were basically 50% less than what developers were expecting. And we saw a crash of the market in Ghana. We've seen this in Lagos. We've seen this as well in Nairobi and even in Lusaka. And that's where we've seen a number of players who came in in 2012 started leaving the continent around 2016, 17 and 18 and I think the last couple of years, we're seeing a restructuring of the real estate market in Africa. And now we're seeing new breeds of investors coming in. On that note, you talk about new breeds. Uh, over recent years, we have had companies like uh, Lango Real Estate and I might have somewhat of a South African bias here, but I'm sure there are others. But, you know, Grit is based out of Mauritius and they listed in London. Centum, I did a story on their developments in Kenya. Uh, interestingly enough, Nedbank was involved in financing there as well. Actus has been a major player of the years. Some of these new players or somewhat new players are still buying up assets and looking to develop. Are there still opportunities in Africa and where do you see these? Absolutely. I mean, there are always opportunities, even in the moments of crisis, there are, there are always opportunities. But I think um, the amount of, of investment as we see today, 2022, is a fraction of what's needed. And my, my view is until such time, Africa and African countries develop their own capital markets, 
we're not going to see the full flow of investment that we need in real estate assets. Because at the end of the day, global investors, when they come in, they've got a choice of investment jurisdictions. You know, they can invest in Asia, they can invest in LATAM, they can invest in their own markets, etc. So when you talk to global investors, they need to see the kind of returns they can make in Africa. And unfortunately, because we still have a lot of barriers in Africa, we cannot deliver the kind of returns that global investors expect and or rather the kind of premium they expect. So that's why I wrote about this a number of times. You know, I've spoken about this as well at, at different conferences, et cetera, saying Africa needs to develop its own capital markets because we need our own pension money to basically go and invest in our own real estate. Because at the end of the day, with a rising middle class, you're going to have increasing amount of pension fund money uh, eventually. And, and we need that money to go into those real estate asset classes. And that's where you will see in some of the countries like, for example, Mauritius, we've seen in Kenya, we are seeing now in Nigeria, for example, you know, with the enactment of REIT, as you've, you've had it in South Africa for many, many years now, uh, and South Africa is vibrant. We're now seeing the enactment of REIT, and I'm hoping in the next five or 10 years, we're going to see more local money going after local assets. And I think that's really what's needed going forward to create a vibrant real estate sector on the continent. Turning to COVID-19 now, um, obviously COVID has had a real impact on the global economy, African economies as well. What impact has the pandemic had on the property investment scene in particular? And I'm talking rest of Africa, yeah, ex-South Africa, because we know, you know, with the more sophisticated property market in, in South Africa, there was a huge fall and then it's recovered somewhat. But I know you've got quite a bit of experience on the hospitality side. And hospitality has taken quite a knock, not just uh, in South Africa, but across several African countries and even in Mauritius. Absolutely. But I think what's important is to understand because Africa is a big continent with many countries and, and different countries or different regions had their own sets of restrictions or flexibility over the last two years. So, for example, in 2020, obviously the whole world went into lockdown initially uh, and, and most of the markets on the continent went into lockdown, which basically impacted, you know, for example, um, the city hotels, you know, the hotels in Nairobi, the hotels in Lagos or Accra or Abidjan, et cetera, you know, didn't have clients overnight. So, so that was very, very difficult. You know, I also witnessed this. You know, I chair the board of a couple of hotels in Mauritius. It was the first time, you know, early 2020 when, you know, we moved from 90% occupancy to 0% in, in the space of two weeks. Yeah. So, but after that, I think what's interesting is the last two years I've seen different strategies. So if you take, for example, Markets like Zambia, as an example, nearer to South Africa, they've had multiple lockdowns, multiple curfews, etc., and they've been impacted quite severely. You know, if you look at the hotel sector, for example, they're trading around 25% occupancy um, even today. It's rising, but it's very, very low, you know, uh, as we speak. But then if you look at, for example, a market like Nairobi, uh, we've seen pickups basically from last year, you know, because they've started opening up. They had a good vaccination rate. And then Nairobi is a hub, you know, for the region. So we've started seeing clients coming in, business travelers coming in, into Nairobi. So some of the hotels now are trading at decent occupancy. You know, I'm talking around 40, 50% occupancy. Yeah? And then the interesting thing is, if you move to West Africa, 
Francophone Africa is the one that's least impacted. The reason is right from day one, you know, 2020, they've kept an open door policy because they've dealt with crisis before, including the likes of Ebola in 2012. And they kept business open. They kept the airports open. So people were still able to fly in and out uh, back in 2020 when we had major lockdowns, you know, including in South Africa. So the impact there is far less than East or Southern Africa. Now, I'm going to wrap up with Nigeria, which is an interesting case because they've reopened sometime last year. And if you speak to the hoteliers uh, in Lagos, they've they're currently exceeding the performance of 2019. You know, that's an amazing success story currently because amazing recovery rate, basically, you know, in, in, in Lagos for a number of hotels. Yeah. So I think if you look at it from that perspective, I think there are countries that had learned to live with COVID even before COVID in the likes of Cote d'Ivoire with, with Ebola. And there are other countries that opened up earlier. And obviously, they're benefiting from a much faster recovery. Okay. Last question, Kevin. Do you see more headwinds? Obviously, every country and the world has different opportunities and headwinds. But how will spiking global inflation, for example, higher interest rates, and perhaps even the Russia-Ukraine situation impact property investment in Africa, if at all? Very, very good question. Uh, you know, um, I was in London a month ago and, and I was saying this to friends, you know, Africa is a very special continent because it's a continent where we struggle from the day we're born. Everything we do, we've got hurdles, you know, whether it's hurdle of getting the permits, hurdle of getting electricity on the 24 hours, including South Africa with your load shedding, etc. Hurdle in terms of raising money. And, you know, inflation is not new, by the way. You know, we've dealt with double d- digit inflation in multiple African countries, even before pre-COVID, you know. So so the impact psychologically, and that's very important because a lot is to do with psychology. You know? Psychologically, it's less, you know, of an impact as what you would see, for example, in Europe, when you've got a rise of 50 basis points on the rate, or you've got a rise in inflation from 2% to 5%, you know, it's kind of chaotic psychologically in Europe or elsewhere, as opposed to Africa. Now, having said that, my biggest worry going forward for the continent, besides, you know, the barriers that we do have, which we need to get over, is geopolitics. What's happening in the West versus the East, you know, uh, Europe, US on one side, Russia, China, India on the other side. My sort of worry is whether this will play down into Africa and whether this will become geopolitical risk on our continent, because our continent is the continent that supplies the most commodities and resources for the world, you know. And when the fight is currently happening about resources in the West versus the East, my sort of worry is whether this will lead to further geopolitical risk on the continent and whether this will lead to terrorism in the future. So that's the biggest risk that I see the next couple of years for the continent. Okay, it's quite a broad topic there. But uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your time. We'll have to leave it there. That was Kevin Tirvengdam, an African real estate expert. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu. Brought to you by Asset, South Africa's leading digital commercial property magazine. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. 
Follow Seren on Twitter at Seren Naidu for more of his property industry content and other business stories. The Property Pod. Pod. Pod.